Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is a solutions-oriented podcast and live radio show. Each broadcast, we dedicate just about 30 minutes to explore topics of interest for leaders and professionals in education and a variety of other disciplines. And this is your host, Brian Perkins. So to, I'm really excited today. I have two guests with me that are uh, actually chartered psychologists uh, in and the British Psychological Society uh, that are joining me from across the pond, as we often say. Um, it's more than a pond, but I'm, I'm excited because uh, they are uh, going to expand on the work that they've been doing uh, with what I will refer to as a fairly common, um, I won't call it disorder, but a, a condition, if you will, that uh, leaders find themselves in, and not just leaders, but a lot of people in professional roles and with uh, professional roles and responsibilities. And it is uh, something that is referred to as superhero, uh, super helper syndrome. I know it's a number of you out there that are probably going, "Uh oh, this one might be talking about me. And so I have today with me, uh, Jess Baker, um, who is, as I mentioned, a chartered psychi uh, psychologist. Uh, she started a career in healthcare um, and is now specializing in business psychology, has delivered a lot of webinars uh, and, and speaking engagements and uh, has her own online program called Tame Your Inner Critic, uh, speaks at conferences, and also her partner, Rod Vincent, who is also a chartered psychologist in the British Psychological Society, um, who had his career also as a business psychologist and has helped to develop leaders in 41 countries. So, wow, um, that's a lot. Uh, and so has poems and stories and has won competitions. Now, I'm really excited also to hear about a book that's being released soon that was co-authored by today's guest, uh, it is entitled the superhero. I keep wanting to call it superhero, <laughs> super helper syndrome. It's almost a tongue twister, though, isn't it? <laughs> super helper syndrome, um, and it is a finalist for uh, the wellness and well-being section of the Business Book Award. So congratulations on that. But I want to welcome both of you. Welcome Jess and Rod. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for having us. Hello, Such Brian. a pleasure. Such a pleasure to have you. So I know, you know I, I told you at the beginning, we only have 30 minutes and with two people lightning speed. So I just want to jump right in. And I first, I want to thank you because there's so many people that I work with that a lot of times I, I have to talk them out of feeling like they have to be everything to everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you've probably all heard this, this common um, analogy that they, they use when trying to tell people um, that they need to take care of themselves, they often talk about this, um, the instructions we get when we're on an airplane. So they talk about where the exits are, they talk about how to fasten your seatbelt, and then they offer one really important piece of advice. And that piece of advice is, if someone near you is in need of assistance, Put the mask on yourself first. And mm -hmm. for a lot of us, it's counterintuitive. Like, oh, how selfish. Why yeah. would you do that? If someone else is in need of help and you can help them, why not put the mask on them and then help? 
but it's it's really counterintuitive is that you can't help someone else if mm -hmm. you yourself are not well taken care of. So I, I you know, it, it, I've used it a lot, but I think yours goes even beyond that. And I'd love to hear uh, you you talk about this, but that not just being in a helper mode, but in super helper mode, that's really resonated with me. So tell me a little bit, um, wherever you want to start about your work, how you got here and, and what made you realize we need to tell people about this. <laughs> well, um, thank you. And I'm so glad that, uh, that you resonate with this. Um, and it's something that's become more and more apparent as we've been talking about the book. Um, and it is actually available um, to purchase in the UK and online. Um, and I'm, we're hoping that it comes out in the US very soon. But I think it is available. On, on, on Amazon. And on Amazon, on yes. I've already I already ordered it. So thank you. So that I mean, in short, it's come out of my experience, as you know, in the healthcare um, over 20 years ago, I realized I was um, highly empathic and perhaps a bit, quote unquote, too, too sensitive, um, retrained as a business psychologist. And then through my work, actually, as a consultant with NHS, with private healthcare as well, I was still noticing the kind of person that just can't stop helping. And I also run my own private coaching practice in the last few years, especially pre-lockdown and especially through lockdown as well, even more so, I kept being um, asked by clients to help them with a sense of finding their own identity that they'd lost because they'd focused so much on other people, whether that was a young family um, or aging parents or colleagues at work, you know, they're just helping, helping, helping. And so the kind of the phrase super helper super helper syndrome began to kind of come out of some of that work and in the back office just with just between me and rod i'd come off a, another coaching call and say rod i think there's another super helper out there you know highly empathic person sure sure <laughs> yeah and and so that's that's where the idea for the book came because they would just seem to be everywhere and everyone we spoke to was saying yes they either say that's me or they say that's my mother that's my sister or you know or, or you know that, that's you know i know people like that just as you did yeah, yeah. um so that and that inspired us to kind of start doing a bit more systematic you know digging around and, and doing interviews and and you know talking to nurses and teachers and you know so the people in the obvious caring professions but also accountants and everyone to a state agent yeah, a state agent in the wow. book as well who you know who was helping compulsively so yeah, um, we found them everywhere, didn't we? Yeah, and it was important to us to understand, as psychologists anyway, mm. to look at that data and try to understand what the motivation is mm. here. And so that's why, as you'll see in the book, why are they doing this? Out some of that, those those irrational, unfortunately, irrational beliefs, <laughs> yeah. um, and to help the reader identify what they are, and then, of course, how to deal with them. Sure, mm. sure. Well, you know, it's it, it's really fascinating that you've mentioned. Uh, highly em empathic people, uh, and and I've had a number of shows where there have been psychologists that have come on, and certainly and that encourage a healthy degree of empathy, and mm -hmm. that the extent to which empathy plays a role in our lives, both personally and professionally, but how important it is to have that. But we're we're actually talking beyond. What and I, Rod, you actually just said it, and and also resonated was compulsively empathic, 
uh, was the phrase you used. And and so what does that look like? So yeah. I, because I have so many people who listen that are are leaders and and so they're leaders in organizations, both large and small, mm. and they struggle with this. And and so are they are they generally uh, like that? And they've they've found that they have these traits that have have followed them their entire lives, mm-hmm. or do they kind of grow and it gets out of control? What do you mm-hmm. see that that happens so that someone can say, oh, I I really need to I need to think about the extent mm-hmm. to which I'm I'm desiring to help other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. We very much wanted to know so why are there people like that? Because you know, of course, helping is a wonderful thing, and and, and I think you know, let's lay that out on the, the table. We right, are not right, against right. we are not against helping, right. but we're in favour of healthy helping, and we're in favour of looking after yourself. So we define the super helper syndrome as compulsive helping, as I said before, coupled with not looking after your own needs, ignoring yes. your own needs. So that if you're doing those two things, that is the super helper syndrome. And that is not not healthy helping. So um, and then going back to the sort of where does it come from? Um, there's there's a, a number of ways you can answer that that question. But um, certainly we've talked about empathy a bit with you and empathy. There is definitely evidence that empathy is hereditary to to some degree. So um, in, and they've even identified some of the genes involved in it and looked at you know, sort of twin studies and things like that. So yeah. definitely the amount of empathy you have is to some extent laid down in, in your in your genetic uh, makeup. Um, but. Um, it can also come from child, how you're brought up and childhood messages. You know, some people are taught that to be a good person, they have to be helpful and you, you, you must be helping all of the time. Um, but some of the people we interviewed, it was very much about seeing the suffering in the world and being sort of very acutely aware of um, other people's pain. And maybe because they were brought up in that way as well, that they, you know, that they, uh, you know there were some very moving stories in the book of, of people who, Whose parents you know, were doing amazing things, and they you know, and they just sort of um, took that on themselves as well. Sure. And, and there are and there are a whole lot of other. I could go into many more. I, I know we've got limited time, but essentially, through childhood messages or through um, uh, life circumstances, yeah, life circumstances as well can throw you into where you have to be a helper. Exactly. There are we've identified four beliefs that help people with the super helper syndrome typically held um yeah and and they're irrational beliefs that sort of drive that compulsive helping and not not looking after your own needs yeah um so we could go in i'll I'll let you no no absolutely absolutely. i go on into that no i would love to hear no i would love to hear more about that oh no go for it okay i'll I'll roll i'm on a roll i'll carry on then so but i don't want to take too long on that but so the, the four beliefs that, that kept coming up for us were the good person belief, which is I, I must help others to prove I'm a good person, wow. which is sort of about, and that ultimately is about your self-worth, is about whether you value yourself because, um, you know, help, again, helping is a good thing, but if you're helping because you believe you have to do that to prove to yourself that you're a good person, that is not a healthy um, yeah. sort of reason for helping. Yeah. yeah. The second one, um, is called the help everyone belief, which is relates more to that thing I was saying about seeing the suffering in the world, which is where you feel wherever you go, you 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 can't stop helping. One example that comes immediately to mind was one of the nurses we interviewed who was in the gym uh, car park after a session with her gym buddy in the in the gym, and 
Um, she saw somebody struggling halfway in and halfway out of a, a car in the disabled um, spot. And so she went running over and um, helped this lady and sort of used all her sort of lifting skills um, <laughs> to safely lift the woman yeah, out yeah. of the car. Uh, at which point the woman said to her, oh, actually, I was trying to get into my car. So she had her, her, <laughs> her compulsive helping. You know, just, <laughs> wasn't helping at all, right? <laughs> helping the rest of her, you know, in her, in her job. Um, yeah, yeah. It was actually, you know, sort of um, this belief, I must help people, or I must help everyone. Um, the third one is, again, we could talk about for ages, it's called the they couldn't survive without me belief, which is when... It might be a specific group or even quite often one person. So if you're caring for a particular person and you believe they couldn't survive without me, then yeah. you're trapped in a, in a, in a compulsive helping relationship. Um, and, and so there's a whole, whole chapter on that because that's a, a big issue. And the final one, which is perhaps the most important of all, is the no needs belief, which is the one that, where you believe I shouldn't have any needs. Mm -hmm. People who believe that end, end up in compulsive helping. And that's the one that really um, is the most damaging because, you know, it's great to be helping a lot, but are you looking after yourself too? Yes, and and yeah. if you believe I shouldn't have any, if you ultimately, and people don't consciously hold those beliefs. They're, they're, you have to kind of um, tease them be out brave. <laughs> or point them out, but, um, but they show up in how you behave. Well, well you know, something you just said, um, the one um, where you talked about that they can't survive without me. Mm. I think you, it was the third one. Yeah. Um, yes. I, you you just gave me a very different lens on that behavior because I mean, literally in the last three days or so, um, I have been, um, we'll say, uh, confronted with a leader uh, that I'm um, just having a conversation about this particular leader and this leader has said, as used with in language with other people, um, but where would where would this organization be without me? Mm -hmm. And and so my lens was more of that because I, I I I said to this individual, I said, who says that? Where would they be without me? I didn't think about it in terms of the they can't survive without me. But I thought of it in terms of almost a kind of narcissistic self-directed, and it could be, but well, I, yeah. but, but, <laughs> but, like, but it was a different yeah. view. And perhaps that's because we like to think of ourselves as important, don't we? We do. And especially when we care, especially when we want to put the effort in to make sure that the project goes really well or the team is functioning well enough. And absolutely to your point, um, there are a lot of examples in the book, um, in that chapter, from workplace examples. I've got a juicy one for you for a... Uh, it's actually, I shouldn't say that because it's actually really sad, but it ends well, okay. Um, a, a dentist told, uh, told us how... Um, she was experiencing a lot of um, a lot of cramps and a lot of physical pain, but she knew the next morning that she would be dealing with at least eight children and some emergency dental care in a hospital. So she said, you know what, Jess, this is in the interview. I just thought to myself, I'll be at a hospital. I could just pop into A&E after I've dealt you know, with the morning surgery list. Well, what happens? She gets to hospital the next morning. She's barely able to drive there. She's barely able to get herself out of the car, which she found parked three days later. 
up on the pavement she didn't even remember parking the car and of course she collapsed as she got straight into the 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 open doors of the hospital and woke up with faces around her thinking where am I what what's happened so they're absolutely and in that in the case for you know for your uh for your leader at work it can be just as damaging you know I think if I if I may return to the phrase syndrome which you pulled out earlier which I thought was really interesting um because there does there are two definitions of syndrome and one is the medical term and we use the other which is a, a kind of um a collection of characteristics and behaviors yes. that signify uh, similarity mm. and so for us it's about um not it's not a medical diagnosis yeah. and we're not trying to diagnose but i think if you label something a syndrome like the imposter syndrome you may have come across yes. i think we've done that because it's important enough for us to talk about because it does cause the four adverse impacts that we, you know, we, we touched upon earlier, exhaustion, exploitation, resentment and self-criticism. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm just thinking about also the example you just gave about the nurse. There's so many people in uh, education leadership, particularly, and, I, and the examples are littered throughout, like even on, on LinkedIn, I see countless individuals that have been school leaders, uh, that have been teachers, but have been in leadership roles. And they're talking about whether it's toxic workplaces, and I've done a number of shows on that. I've done a number of shows on wellness and how you you have to take care of yourself. But I think that last category too is one that will probably resonate with a lot of people. I, I can't, now I'm really excited even more so to receive my uh, copy of the book because I love when you give examples. Like this is, this is what the pattern looks like. And because uh, like I said, you gave me a whole other viewpoint, but I had a colleague also that was responsible for a program and the program basically lasted, um, let's say two months intensively. And every single year, this leader found uh, themselves in a uh, in emergency room almost days for years after this intensive work process. And and we all would say, okay, something, you have to do something different this year. Take mm-hmm. it easy, you know what's gonna end. I and and would say over and over again, oh, I know what's gonna happen. At the end, uh, I'll have to go into the hospital. But it was the last time where uh they ended up in the hospital for two weeks mm-hmm. in a near diabetic coma that it was hey you can't do this anymore Mm -hmm. and and so I I guess those are the ones that that really strike me when you start talking about a syndrome Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. that there are I've seen consistent sets of of indicators almost and that's what I'm hearing you say so that there's a, a list of things so yes. I want to ask you, and maybe this is something you might ask your your clients to to reflect upon. But I want to ask you, what are the things you would you would advise mm. people to to reflect upon to say is Do I need to take a deeper look at myself and my behavior? Am I in the category of a super helper? Mm-hmm. What What are some of those indicators that would be helpful 
to say. Okay, first of all, so how, how to know if you might be in that category of, yes, the, yes. of the super helper syndrome? Yeah, so um, the first thing would be, are you helping in kind of all aspects of your life? So maybe right. um, it's likely you're in a helping job, but are you also helping neighbours? Are you yes. doing voluntary work? You know, one of the examples we give in the book was somebody who would think with 19 different ways in which she was helping, because we we categorised and we did some sort of an analysis of, of the results that we, you know, the data that we had. And um, we, we put them into different categories of helping as well. Um, so are you helping in all aspects of your life? You know, helping random strangers, helping you know, neighbours, etc., running across car parks to help women out of, of cars when they don't need to be helped. Um, do you, the second one would be, do you struggle to say no? Um, and this is something people talk about a lot, but um, but if, if that can be a sign that you're prone to the super helper syndrome. Another one would be, are all of your relationships or most of your relationships lopsided in other words you help them a lot but they don't help you so much you know you, you're the one doing the giving and one type of giving that is a real clue on this is do you ask all the questions mm. um so are you sort of person who asks questions a lot you know again i could talk about this for ages there's so many people don't ask any questions uh, yes. um, Another sign would be: Do people do people open up to you and tell you about their problems a lot? I mean, even yeah. like a lot, a lot of the people, we've got some amazing examples in there, and, and one from a, a therapist um, who um, was saying about you know she just goes out in the evening and the bartender will start you know sort of telling her his life story and yeah. you know she's yeah. saying her husband yeah. said how do you do that you know you didn't even say anything to this yeah. guy telling you his, his life story and she's saying I don't want to do that I want to have a drink you know it's <laughs> like nice so yeah, I, yeah. you people open up to you as another one um are you the one that everyone turns to um for, for help a, a big theme um was are you do you feel guilty when you can't help or if you're unable to help um and then the biggest one of all that sort of as I said, encompasses this is the big, you know, the, the, the what you say, uh, the, the $64,000 question, um, if you use dollars, um, with, the big question is, do you deny your own needs? Um, and that that's a really, a really important uh, sign. So there's a whole list of, uh, of um, yeah, <laughs> of things that might indicate that you're prone to this, this syndrome. Yes, yes, thank you so much for that. You, you made me think about a time in my life uh, years ago, where every aspect of my life, I was in a leadership role. And you, I, I mean, every aspect of, I went here in this organization or uh, at church or this, I was, I was one of the leaders. Mm -hmm. And I stopped one day to ask myself, why is it that everywhere I go, and I think some of it happens that people can read you uh, I tell you a quick story. I was I was somewhere, uh, and there was an incident that happened, and I'm just standing around like other people. That, and in fact, I like less than other people. I had on a t-shirt, some some flip flop sneakers, and ratty uh, shorts, and people were standing around the crowd. And the police came, and they the police um, and was looking around. And and he came over. They had said a few words about people, please step aside. But he came over to me. I was just one, a person in the crowd. And he said, um, do you mind asking these people to step to the sidewalk? <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking around like, like what did I do? <laughs> a serious story. And then I turned and I said, hey, folks, 
they need us to get off of the road and get onto the sidewalk. And then so people just got off the road and into the sidewalk. And I was just standing there kind of like, I'm just like everybody, like, why did he come to me? But what I what I what I did is I started to step back in other organizations mm-hmm. and say, because I asked myself, am I giving myself the opportunity to be led, not to always be the leader? And so what what you said made me think about something that people might ask themselves too is are you giving yourself an opportunity to be helped, to be replenished, to be mm-hmm. served? Because I've seen people, and now thinking about like at restaurants, uh, and I, I don't think I fall in a category, but I, I, I think there, there are times when people just go overboard to, to try to help someone else, even a server at a restaurant. Um, so that's, that's more of what I'm thinking about, but that, that's a, that is an instrumental question. What do you give yourself an opportunity yourself to be helped? Yeah. Okay. Loads of things come to mind, Brian. My goodness, what a fantastic story that is. You must have been making more eye contact than others. You must have. <laughs> I, I don't know what it who was. Who knows? <laughs> who knows? But but that's that's happened. So you know, time again, we've got those examples as Rod was saying. You know, in the book about people just saying oh, it just happens. So let me um, say uh, respond in a couple of different ways, if I may. First of all, we do as you might imagine, advocate that people start using boundaries and that they set and establish healthy helping boundaries, which means very simply, although very difficult to put in practice, but we give you as many tools as we can. That means choosing who you help, how you help, and when you help. So you are consciously thinking through, ah, this person sounds like they need my help. Okay, or I've anticipated they might need my help. What do I do next? And you literally work through that process asking yourself and even asking them, maybe it's, do you need my help right now? Can you wait till next Wednesday? If you still need it then, then I've got free time and I can help you. I can give you a lot more time and headspace than I can now. Maybe it's thinking about the type of help you give. So instead of saying, instead of agreeing to drive that person to the hospital and waiting three hours for them and then driving them back, either delegate, say, oh, I think Harry's, you know, has got some free time this afternoon. Someone else might be able to do it for you. Um, Or you could say, I don't have the time to do that right now, but I can help order you a taxi. I can phone and order that for you if you'd like. There are lots of different ways to think about boundaries because one thing we know for sure, it's almost impossible to say no to requests for help a lot of the time in real life. So we give the reader a lot of opportunities to just to push back gently, to start establishing their own boundaries. But often what happens Brian, is that one, the guilt seeps in again and you, you start mm. thinking, oh no, I'm just, oh, that's such, I'm such a bad person. You know, the opposite of the good person belief. I'm such a bad person to say, no, I should be able to help more. I should have more time. So we have to deal with that. And we deal with that internal dialogue as well. And the other thing that might happen, and I wonder if you've had this, is that other people will start being shocked that you're saying no or pushing back. And they'll say, oh, yeah. uh, hang on a sec. But you used to say yes all the time. Now you're saying no, and now you're saying no to me, but you know how important this is to me. And they'll go off on one. 
yes, potentially. Yes. You're nodding. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, that that definitely happens. But well, let me tell you, I think you have given people more than enough reason to uh, do as I've done. Um, it is available on Amazon in the U.S. Um, uh, the paperback version I um, uh, is, I think, $18 or so. Um, I, and, and maybe, uh, I can't remember... Uh, but uh, no, actually, sorry, the, it's Kindle version is $18. Um, and so, so certainly sounds well worth it. Uh, th that's the one that's available um, instantly. And then there's the hardcover version. That's the that's the one that uh, is uh, $30. Uh, but I, well worth it. And I am I'm just super excited to receive it. And so I want to know if you don't mind sharing with people uh, if there are other books or other articles, where to find you, any social media handles, where they can find you. Uh, and, and I want to know and, and also extend to you that when you are in New York, by all means, when you're on your way to New York, please, by all means, let me know. Swing by Columbia University and uh, at the faculty house, lunch is on me. I really, really appreciate this. So tell me, any any uh, social media handles, email addresses, where can people find you? Great. So if I go, if I go first, um, I'm at Jess Baker Syke, P-S-Y-C-H, um, on all social media. Rod is at Rod Vincent on all social media. Um, Roderick. Vincent, Sorry. Yes, Rod that name. Roderick. R-O-D-E-R-I-C. Yeah, you know, bit of a cumbersome name there. <laughs> Roderick Vincent. He's the only one, I think, ever. Um, and of course, there's lots of information and lots of blogs and articles online. If you just Google super helper or super helper syndrome, um, we've had a lot of press in the last five months since the book has been available. But also I have a website, jessbaker.co.uk. And that has a lot of articles and blogs as well um, on all of the topics around this topic too. Um, Especially on compassionate leadership, which was one of the things that's sort of relevant to what we were talking about yeah. earlier, which we haven't really covered. But, oh, yeah. and I've got a free workbook um, on compassion at work. Yeah. So um, perhaps if you have show notes as well, I can email that over to you. But yes. that's also linked to from my website. So if you oh, just go to absolutely, absolutely. And I'd love to share that on my uh, outlets as well and to um, colleagues all around. So thank you so much for that. I want to thank both of you for taking time out of your day. I know you've been scheduled for a while and I've been looking forward to today's show. Uh, you've really added to me and I'm sure you've added to so many others that have listened in today, uh, but you've given me a lot to think about and to add to my toolbox um, also. So I'm looking forward to the stories and also looking forward, um, I'll, I'll definitely look to hear from you next time you're in New York. Um, so, uh, until and if you, ever, if you ever find yourself in Ludlow, Shropshire, obviously let us know and we'll buy you some cake. Which okay. happens, happens to be the loveliest town in England. So, yes. um, yeah, <laughs> you really want to if you come to England. You don't really tell want to, don't tell anyone. You want just watch. you. <laughs> okay, excellent. I will do. But until then, go well, stay well. Thank you. Take care. Thank you very much.